And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, make sure when you're down at the banks, maybe attending a Reds game, they're not terrible, so a little bit more fun to watch. Uh, maybe you're headed down to take in a game or a concert. Maybe you've got the uh, the Taylor Swift show coming up. And uh, when you're down at the Holy Grail, stop by, get yourself some good food, get yourself something good to eat, and uh, get yourself taken care of. I mean, can uh, I interject real quick? Sure. They're not terrible? So, like, having the tied for the worst record in the National League is not terrible? Uh, Considering what we thought this team would be, yeah, they're not terrible. They're, they're, they're technically not on pace for like 104 losses. So, okay. I mean, you know, some people still do like going to the ballpark, Dave. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Do what you like to do, man. Right. And while you're at the in the area, stop by the Holy Grail. Get some good food. That is really good. As opposed to not terrible. The food and drink at the Holy Grail is really good. So you should do that. Uh, what's going on, brother? Hey, you know, another another fun week in Cincinnati Bearcat Athletics. A lot still going on. We have not quite hit the dog days of podcasting summer. For some reason, I feel like this... This year we will not hit those dog days because we'll have some, uh, yeah, we'll have some, you know, in due time we will have some Big Twelve football to truly start getting into. And I mean, and, that's coming pretty quick, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm waiting for my you know my Athlon preview so I can familiarize start familiarizing myself with these teams because you know I know some some very. Uh, basic level stuff on most of them but not you know we joke about the AAC but I mean you we like to be a a podcast in the site that is informative to our members and UC fans and and actually knows or feels like they know what the heck they're talking about uh so I think we we have some studying to do we I mean we doing the math I mean, it might be might be time to start doing like a get to know one opponent every week, or or at least I, I don't know. Are we would we do the whole conference, even the teams they're not playing, Dave? Or- uh, I mean, we could group them all together in like a because I mean they are not playing some of the the better teams. Pro- projected better well, teams, but, and I'm not talking about like a, a forty minute segment. Sure, but I think sure. like a like a 15 minute get to know yes, on, I mean, on each team in the conference every week, like one a yeah, week I mean, might be a good place to start. We can certainly look into, you know, I know there's what is his name? Chris Anderson at the West Virginia site. Yeah. Uh, he might, you know, be someone willing to come on and, and talk to us about them. And I can get one of the Baylor guys. I can probably get John Kurtz. Yeah. I mean, we can look at two, four, seven and see who, I haven't even really looked to see like what Big Twelve sites are active, which ones they actually have. Have a have a 
t have a site. So yeah, we have some work to do. I think it's uh, it's in, I mean it, it's it's hard to believe. Like we're basically a week and a day from official entrance into the Big Twelve. One week from today, we're we're going to be in June, or one week from tomorrow, whatever it is, uh, going to be in June, and then boom, it's July. Like I I was standing at the fence talking to my neighbor tonight and she said the same thing like how is it how is june like i know here already i know crazy 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 um i guess to get this started we kind of have to hit on the news of the day yeah we we plan future podcasts on the current podcast so like this, this is year when we're this is when we're talking like we're hey everyone's podcast might be their first podcast. So this might be right. Kenneth's first time listening to the BCJ pod. And this is kind of what we do. There is no pre-show meeting. Uh, there are no show notes. Nope. This we is a free-flowing, free uh, you know, come, come, at, come to what we think, you know? It's just right. kind of... Whatever flows into our mostly empty skulls and comes out of our mouths, um, you know, is what, shit, is, is, what you, is what you get. Yeah, you know, so that, that's the like like Monday nights. Like we'll look behind the curtain. Monday nights, Brent has like a plan. Like he has it detailed. Everything that we're going to talk about. What I, like sometimes he doesn't let us know what that is. But Brent always has like a detailed plan. For us, he clearly do doesn't have an. He needs an editor for that plan. <laughs> for us, Dave literally used to be like, "What are we going to talk about tonight?" And I would just be like, "Sports." Sports. We're just going to talk, and when we're done talking, <laughs> then we'll say goodbye. <laughs> so yeah, we, we plan future shows on current shows. <laughs> yeah, but I I think that's like you know. It's a, it's a stream of consciousness into uh, the, the the Bearcat Journal experience, right? Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's it maybe worth worth pointing out that Ken did come back and say he has been a longtime listener, and a huge fan, and he that but you know, number, number one, one source for Bearcat news. Yeah. We appreciate you, Ken. We just were explaining, you know, how it kind of. I know. I just didn't want. I know we we dunked on him. I just wanted to make sure we also gave we him credit where credit him. was. Like, yeah, I mean, with the cut the shit, it wasn't you who said that, obviously. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll start. We'll we'll work that in. Maybe we were talking about we needed to come up with one new thing, right, Dave? Maybe that's our our new thing for the off season right. is the uh, the Big Twelve. The yeah. Big Twelve. Uh, we're gonna have to come up with a name for it, but whatever. If you got a, a name for our Big Twelve weekly segment for the rest of the off season, drop it in the chat. Yeah, the not the not the AAC set, not the AAC <laughs> segment of the week. The not AAC segment of the week. There you go. Um, but uh, kind of the big news of the day, and and it's and it's unfortunate because you know. It's it's it affects a program that is we have gotten kind of got gotten kind of close to. Um, it's probably not a good sign for where the program is at. 
in in the short term, hopefully it everything gets fixed in the long term. But um, there was uh, two members of the baseball staff fired today. Uh, a report by Fox 19 detailing that essentially, uh, according to them, what happened was there was a parent of a player gambling on the team and the two staff members knew about it and did not report it. That's about as, as far as things have gotten right now. Um, ultimately what it says is in this day and age, Dave, you got to be careful because as we are starting to see as the gambling world makes its way into college sports, the checks and balances are going to be serious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's multiple companies that are working with, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's conferences, whether it's schools, I'm not sure that how the relationship is exactly working, but there are multiple companies that are mon- you know, monitoring this. And, and I, I think it's it's too easy to say they're just geo-tracking and seeing where the bets are coming in from because, like, the Alabama coach that got fired, baseball coach that got fired, he wasn't placing the bets. He had a, a sound. I mean, I don't know the full details of the story, but wasn't his friend or something actually placing the bets at the Red Stadium? He's yeah, like on the phone. Like, so I'm not sure, but I mean, and again, like you said, the details are sparse in this. I don't really understand it. Um, you know, if a if a player's parent is betting on the games and those coaches did report it, like what what were they going to do? Well, you cover I mean, your ass. <laughs> right, but like, okay, so you report it. And then what? Like they well, you tell the guy you can't do that, and he goes, Okay. And then he just keeps doing it. Like, I get I mean, what is the repercussion? It's you know Yeah, but I, I mean ultimately though, if you know it's happening, you have to report it. Of course. I mean, but there must be some rule in place that about a parent of a player, like, because what's the difference in that person versus me going to every one of their games or me knowing as a Bearcat journal person, like me having a better understanding of the baseball program than John Q public and me, but like, I'm just trying to, I don't understand like why you have to report it. Well, you have to report it because ultimately what that could lead to is parent of player bets money on games gets child gets player involved in making sure the, the spread is covered. Well, I mean, or, that's pretty hard to do for one guy in a baseball game. What, what if they're a starting pitcher and they're betting on the games that that kid is the starting pitcher? Well, like, sure. I mean, they're, they're, that's why you have to be ultra. I, I ultra totally parent. understand. I mean, I, like, I don't know what they can do to the parent. Right. That's what I mean. I'm like, and so that's, that's not, the, that's not their problem. The problem right, is the, the coach. The coach is knowing and not saying something, but like, that's where I'm like, okay, well, what is the point in necessarily in like, why is it so important to, to them to tell the university that we know of a player's parent betting on the games? So that it doesn't come back on your program that there's a fear that you're fixing games. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, who again, Dave, like when you go through the recruiting process, guess what coaches do? They get to know the parents really, really well, as well as the players. So, yeah. I, I, and, and maybe it's, it's more than anything, it's image. Like you can't just have the staff aware. Right. And that's, that, and that, that might be, happening. that might be the case. And, and that's why I'm saying like details are, are scant right now. And who knows if there will ever be like a, a super I mean because from all intents it doesn't sound like these were the situations we've seen at Alabama seen it at least to this point of course there could right. be more that comes out we're just reporting and discussing what's known at this time what we're discussing what's being reported not right it, do, yeah. it doesn't appear at least that like there are any players on on any teams that have been placing bets like at Iowa and Iowa State it doesn't appear that there's any coaches directly placing bets like we've seen in Alabama and I don't know if there's been any others but um yeah but no it's it's just it's unfortunate it just um you know I, I guess as someone who only you know doesn't really know much about the program and it just felt like I you know when when Scott was hired there was a lot of excitement for that and it seemed like we just kind of never quite reached that point uh and so maybe maybe there will be just like a you know a clean break as we go into the big 12 uh no speculation on our part i mean we have no idea this just kind of came out around four o'clock they're in the middle of a game right now that's still in a rain delay that i guess is supposed to start at 8 50. Uh, i believe they're up six five on number one seed ecu in the fourth inning if they win they keep going if they lose their season's over uh so <clears throat> um but just unfortunate i mean yesterday i i told you about this apparently yesterday when they hit the home run to tie um orlando in the ninth inning orlando that whoever hit the home run was greeted with the celebration of his teammates and a player gave him a sandwich, which the umpire deemed as a celebration prop, thus ejecting the player that gave the sandwich away, who happened to be the projected starting pitcher for today's game. I mean, what are we doing? Thus being suspended for one game because you were ejected. He did not pitch today. Yeah, what are we doing? What what are we, what the hell are we doing? But I mean, I'm not, a sandwich. I'm not a you know diehard, died in the wool baseball fan, but so it's very easy for me to make fun of like baseball rules, unwritten rules, and baseball fans, not across the board, but more than any other sports fans to me are. The biggest weirdos and losers when it comes to people just yeah. having fun. Right. Especially in this day and age, like your stance is, there will be none of that fun associated with our game. Knock it off. <laughs> really? Like that's how you want your game to be known? Yeah. I mean, I'm for... <laughs> I think Mo Egger tweeted a video of some, I don't know if it was college or high school, some kid hit a home run in his last at bat or something. And he, he was he a you know, grand slam 
Walk off Grand Slam in his last at bat as a high school baseball player. And he, he was enjoying it and whatever, but like I read the comments to the video, and it's like the responses were things of like that dude should take one in the chin next. It's like so him having fun. The, your response is that we should throw the ball a hundred miles an hour and hit him in the face. Yeah, have you ever been hit in the head with the baseball, a pitched baseball? <laughs> like. I have. And I said, Guess I said. What? It hurts really bad. Well, yeah, really it's just, bad. It's just the idea that this kid was so out of line celebrating, but the response is not out of line at all. Right. Just hit him in the head with a, with a, a, a hardly thrown baseball. I was like, these, I said to him, I was like, these comments are clearly from a bunch of people that take a lot of things in life way too seriously. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, you get ejected because you gave a guy a sandwich. I mean, what, what would have happened? What they had a few years ago, they had like the, the ski that had the cups on it and they would do like the, you know, the fake shots or whatever the, and shot just, skis. Yeah. I just, why is it like, Oh, like this, in, I mean, and there's other, you know, other sports of football's gotten weird about what you can and can't do to celebrate. And, you know, it's never like, hey, you know, if you don't want the guy to do that, like, don't let him hit one 400 feet. I'm all for taunting. You should be able oh, to I do am, whatever I am you too. want. Whatever you want. You, you are doing something because you achieve something that the opponent allowed you to achieve. So you, you should you be able to, at the game, right? You should do whatever you be able to do whatever you want with, you know, within reason, like don't, don't do anything that like, with a bat flip, don't do anything that's going to harm somebody. Well, like, else. Yeah, you, I score a touchdown. And I just punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there is a limit to everything, but like, you know, if you don't want the guy to do his touchdown dance, don't let him score. If you don't want the guy to, you know, flip his bat when he hit a home run. Like the, the the peace sign as you're passing somebody by, like that should be allowed. Like the fact that we're calling penalties back on the order. Oh, yeah, excessive, like when college, excessive celebration. College like, guys are high stepping 15 yards from the end zone yeah. and they throw a fly. It's like be faster, catch him. Don't let him do that. Do a front flip and complete like break dance on the in, in the end zone. Like so that's like, that's your fault. It just it feels like this has kind of been a week for the uh, Bearcat baseball team in a season that probably has not gone uh, according to according to plan. So we'll obviously keep keep monitor uh, keep monitoring that, and obviously there'll be updates on on the Twitter on the website uh, as more information becomes available. Uh, but you know. That's kind of where we are there. The game is, like I said, there looks like maybe in about a half hour. So they will get that one going again down in Clearwater, I believe. So it would be a nice win, though, if they could uh, if they could take out ECU, who's been the class of the American for quite some time uh, on, on the diamond. Uh, Chad, are you with me? Apparently not. In the back. <laughs> so we're, we're going uh, Aaron and Dave, the Aaron and Dave show right now. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little, we'll go. Uh, I'm, I'm not really going to get in to the Aziz Ben, is it Bandago? Is that, is that correct? 
Vandago, yeah. Vandago. I'm I don't know what else there really is to to add to that. Uh, Chad had Berg on for what I can only uh, guess was a very insightful, fun segment. Uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about it on a nightcap. I know you guys covered it extensively Monday night. I'm not really going to offer anything new to the conversation. So... Uh, Sorry, I had a I had a puppy accident to clean up because oh. my daughter didn't take them out when she got home from volleyball while we were doing a thirty lashes. Very much so. Yes. Go pick out your own switch. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have one of those in my backyard when I was a kid. A switch tree. It's no good. Anyhow, no. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but no, I was I wrapped up baseball and said that I was not. There's really nothing for me to say about Aziz. Aziz. You guys have covered it, you know. I would imagine about as well and as thorough as as needs to be covered. And I'm probably not going to, you know, enlighten anybody with any new any new thoughts or uh, discussion points. So, uh, thoughts on the roster as it currently stands. I think top to bottom, it is upgraded. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if I can put a grade or like or quantify how much. Um, I think it's, and you and I have talked about this, trying to find the right word. It just feels a little unbalanced. I know we, we've talked like clunky. Um, I'm going to go with unbalanced in an era where big, yes, I, I'm going to add one thing to this. I, I think we think that generally, like, here's, here, I've been thinking about this. So I, I just want to add this to the discourse that we've had on the roster. You generally want three, four big guys in your program. Yes. Like attrition, depth, foul trouble, injury, whatever. I think where our brain goes to unbalanced is potentially because three of your top four players are going to be what look like centers. Well, right? and I like, think uh, also you want them in various stages of development where like now you have three guys, all quote unquote centers that are all kind of at relative, like they need to play yeah. 25, 30, whatever the number is. Right. So it's like, you don't have a sophomore who's ready to play, but only 10, 15 minutes. You don't have. Well, we, we've talked about, we've talked about the development scale, right? Like you come in, especially as a big, you come in generally your first year, you sit your second year, you're a rotation guy, your third year, you're a starter, your fourth year, you're all conference. Like, like, these guys are all essentially in years four, yeah, five. Like, yeah, that's I, I think. Yeah, that's what you're getting at. So yeah, I mean, you have you have three guys who are probably in your what? What I mean, throw the number out there: top five, top six, top seven. Whatever. I mean, I don't know. Whatever it is, right? But but and then they're all kind of at the same stage of where they see themselves in their career. Like, it's going to be you know a battle royale, so to speak, of like who's going to be like someone is not going to get the minutes that they want to be getting. 
What does that well, do? I mean, unless Vic is plays almost like strictly at the four, and then the minutes at the five go between Aziz and right. Jamil, and then Vic plays the four, and then you find what's the the mix at the four with Vic? Do you is it is it Odie? Is it Josh yeah, Reed? Is it small have, ball? Is it big? That's the thing is like can. And you would know better than me, but like, can are there are there certain? There's probably certain combinations there that you probably don't ideally want to play together, even if Vic is can be more of a four. Um, yeah, like I feel like Vic and Aziz would be a good group, a good one two on the floor at the same time. I'm not sure if I feel like Vic and Reynolds fit really though. And is there a, is there a, a path to Reynolds and Aziz playing together? Right. Like even for small stretches. Yeah. Like Reynolds is. I saw him yesterday. Uh, the big dude. It's a it's a big dude. He was walking across campus right by the the spot where we were doing the uh, the groundbreaking ceremony. That is a large human. Like when he was walking just from far, even from far away. You're like, oh, that is a very large person. Yeah, but I mean, these are high major problems that you hope that your coach and your team and your staff are capable of sorting out. I would much rather be having this discussion than the discussion we've had of late, which is we are way too small and unathletic on the wing and, you know, we have one guy in the post that can actually do something. Yeah. So, you know, it's a better conversation. Nope. You know, I'm not sure. And maybe I'll eat my words at some point, but like, I'm not sure you see basketball is ever going to get to the point where we're like, man, this roster one to 13, we just got freaking dudes everywhere and every piece fits perfectly. And well, every- the thing is that's not how college basketball even works anymore. No. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't. That's it, with the transfer portal. It's just not how it goes no. in this day and age. I mean, I think what Kevin, I think I saw Kevin McCullers from Kansas decided to come back today. So he's like one of two guys on there. Maybe I don't know if it's the entire roster or it's like the main group. Like they're replacing almost everybody whether it's through high schoolers, transfer portal, it's just a different, right. you just don't have the teams like Mick and Mick had where you literally are bringing in like one or two freshmen a year because you had a couple guys graduate and everybody just kind of continuously develops and moves up the ladder. Right. And it's like, the, it, like three every year, like every year, you know, there's going to be three spots because you just cycle them through. Three, six, nine, twelve. Like bang, 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 bang. Every year we got three spots. You know, maybe, maybe you have a guy that didn't work out and you had four, like right. in a certain year. But for the most part, like that that's probably why I always get jumpy, Dave. And I I need to maybe readjust my my brain on this. I get jumpy when you turn over six, seven guys every year. And I, I'm probably going to yeah, have to I accept reality that that's just how it's going to I don't be. know if 
Yeah, I don't know if six sevens they're going to be the reality, but four or five, five is probably five. Five no. is probably the number but now. Four, like it yeah. used to be three. You know what I mean? It, it used to be three spots, like three, maybe four. Now it's going to be like it, even even when we went into this off season, and I was saying two, maybe three, and it ended up being four. They had already added three guys. So I what essentially what I was saying was it's already gonna be five or six and it ended up seven. Right. Like that's I'm having a not an easy time getting my brain around that fact that every year there's gonna the half of the roster is gonna be brand new. It's crazy. Because right, we we thought what we knew what was gonna we thought we knew what it was gonna be, and then Micah was a surprise. So there's that extra yeah. But, and that's but even then, it was still six. Happen more it to- was still six. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know that it's it's the new the new normal. I hate that term, by the way. It's the new normal in college basketball, and I I have to come to grips with the fact that I I can't be uh, old man yells at cloud about this because it's just how it works now, like. Whether you like it or not, it's just how right. it works. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Like, I, I still think, and, and you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but where this roster is at, it, it comes down to point guard. If Day-Day Thomas and Jizzle James are competent, Division one level high major point guards. This this is going to be a tournament team, and if not, they'll probably be a bubble team that loses more close games than they should because you need to have that guy at the end of a game. You can put the ball in his hand and make something happen. Like that's just that's where I think this roster is at. Would you agree? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's it's a it's a better all around roster, but it you know it's. We still have some pieces that we're not sure about. I mean, you mentioned the, um, you know, the point guard situation and just the uncertainty there. I mean, we feel like they're good players, but you have no idea. Um, right. You know, we hope that John Newman can be that guy that he kind of was his first year and we were hoping he would step into a more advanced role last year and be a, a real stalwart defensively and a rebounder. And, and he doesn't, I don't know if he needs to be as, as much of a scorer on this team as we pro- he probably needed to be on last team, but his injury history is a big question mark. Um, you know, is he just I mean, not that's one capable- of the things that's one of the things we're going to find out this summer. Can his knee get through the summer and get to October? And I feel like if it can't, then you have some, you have some, you know, legitimate concerns on the wing from an athletic standpoint. Um, and he might not even be a, a real high end athlete anymore because of the injuries. I mean, we kind of saw what happened in that regard with Cash, um, you know, yeah. in, in a in a similar vein. So, you know. I'm bullish, and I think that if we get adequate to above-average point guard play, this is a tournament team, but I could still see ways that it it doesn't happen. And that's not a 
I don't know if that's, I mean, I think that'll be a disappointment for a lot of people. And I think, you know, maybe the May, the May excitement might need its brakes pumped a little bit um, because we just don't know what the world is going to be like going to the big 12. I mean, you and I talked about this. What if they, what if the schedule is at, at Houston, at Baylor, Kansas at home in the middle of February, three games in a row. Right. Like, and you can be playing great ball and you lose three, those three in a row and you get blown out in two of them. And then what kind of residual effect does that have for the next week or two against teams yeah. that you're, you're more even with or better than do you, are you able to put that in the rearview mirror and get those wins or does another loss or two happen? Because you're like, Jesus, man, this is just a, a brutal stretch and we're just not quite there yet. So there, there's so much um, unknown um, you can feel better about things, but still look at it and not be not necessarily in a negative way, but just a realistic way of, you know, how how is Daniel Skilling going to progress? How are these right. point guards going to be? Uh, you know, we have two what I would consider pretty darn good shooters, but like, does any can anybody else step and be a shooter? Does their overall kind of lack of athleticism get exposed more in the Big Twelve versus what w- would have been in the AAC? Like. Just a bunch of questions that that don't necessarily come as cross, you know, when you first take a glance at kind of what the roster construction is. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think offensively, you're probably really happy with, with adding C.J. Frederick and, and Seamus Lukosius. But the Big 12, and, and I've talked about this a lot, Dave, in terms of like everybody says college basketball is a guards game. The Big 12 is a, a jumbo wing game. Well, it's like I just mentioned his name. Like, who on UC is guarding Kevin McCullers? Right. Right. And he's one of the right. premier players in the league, but like everybody kind of has a guy somewhat similar to him. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like Baylor and Kansas, like their championship teams, the the two, you know, the two years prior to this one. Their wings were a problem. What was their dude? <laughs> what was their dudes this year? Kansas is not Grady Dick. The other that was the other guy that was really really yeah, good. Yeah, I don't remember his name. But like, I, know I mean, like yeah. that dude scoring thirty against us last year. Yeah, nobody's guarding him. So you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Now, granted, you do hopefully have somebody that changes the math. With Aziz yes. now on the roster. For sure. Because we have seen too many, and, and they were they were a lot better at it last year, but the three years prior to that, too many layup lines against the Cincinnati. And that's especially beneficial if you're gonna have and no we're not saying that, I'm not I'm not saying this in any disrespectful manner, but like CJ and Seamus are not Uber athletes. Like they're okay. they're gonna guard hard, but like guys are gonna go by him. Well, I feel a lot better. Now, if that happens with 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 Aziz back there, and you can also scheme your defense to knowing Aziz or Vic or Jamil does a a pretty good job blocking shots, right? So when you know one or two or of those guys are on the floor, you feel a lot better about what's happening on the wing when you can prevent a little resistance at the rim. Uh, and you know, they're just, they're, they were good at it last year, but for the most part, there hasn't been enough of it. So, right. 
It's a it's an interesting roster because it is it looks much more like a 1997 roster in college basketball than it does a 2023 roster. <laughs> no doubt about that. But that's not a bad thing. Like there Arizona last year had a shit ton of success playing two bigs. No, I mean it's it's kind and it's it's not a, it's a very different parallel but it, you know, the Falcons Everybody in the NFL now is wide receivers, quarterbacks, spread you out, throw the ball. So right. what did what have defenses done? Defenses have gotten, out. Smaller, gotten smaller, faster. Okay. Well, now how are those defenses going to combat a Falcons team that has a running quarterback, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algiers, a, a freak alien at tight end, a freak alien at wide? Like they're going to be bigger than everybody. So all these defenses have now shifted the way they build a roster to combat the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Chargers, whatever. And now the Falcons are going to go, we're just going to slam it down your throat 40 times a game. And yeah. you got no, you know, your linebackers are 230 pounds. Your DBs are tiny. You're like, we're going to make you play this game that you're not built for now. Right. So does you see now, does you see now have kind of that ability with the basketball yeah. in basketball? Your foreman is six eight, but he's two hundred and twelve pounds. So right. how's he going to guard a seven foot, two hundred and forty five pound, two hundred and fifty pound dude posting him up? Or you know, how's he going to deal with him in the pick and roll when when the ball gets downhill and that guy's diving to the rim? And you know, you might have the length, but you don't have the strength to make a play in that situation. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting for the coaching staff to kind of put their uh put their wares on display and, and show what they can do with a roster that again has the talent the talent level has risen what do we say in in april day or in 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 march going into april they need to add multiple top of the roster players right they added four top of the roster players in the transfer portal i think that's fair would, would you agree with me like they didn't add anybody that i think is depth or a filler like they added four guys that all indications are they are going to play major minutes on this team oh yeah whether they're starters or the first you know based on the roster construction whether they're starters or one of the first i mean these guys are top seven top eight it's crunch time these are our guys that you know we're we're relying on you know, and it'll it'll depend on it'll depend on matchups. It'll depend on how. I mean, it's ridiculous to try to project any of that right now. But yeah, sure. I mean, if but, you, if you told if you just went into it and blindly said like, okay, we're going to add a super athletic, bouncy big guy that is one of the best shot blockers in the country, I'd have been like, yep, yeah, I'll take one of those. And then you were like, okay, and then we're also going to add like a six ten, six eleven thumper. That you know he's not going to be your your main top of the scouting report guy, but he's he can pass the ball, he'll block some shots, he'll rebound, he'll score. But yeah, I mean, of course, we'll take one of those. And then you're like, okay, then we're going to get two wings that can both shoot at a fairly high percentage from the outside, have played a lot of basketball, like top of the top of the lineup, top of the roster guys at their previous stops. I mean, right. yes, we would take all of those things. Like none of those are like. Yeah, we're going to take this guy. He's been playing at a lower level, you know, and he's been pretty good, but he's not even dominated that level. And we don't know if he's a more of a depth piece or like uh, how much he can truly contribute. I would have been like, no, that's not good enough right now. 
And if they added a fourth, I don't think anybody would have freaked out if they had three top-of-the-line guys and they added a fourth guy that was a depth piece. Instead, you added what might be the best player on the roster with the yeah. fourth piece in Aziz Bendak. Yeah. Um, let's get to, Dave, th- this might not last for long. <laughs> <laughs> best uh, best but, laid plans. Yeah. Apparently, our our intentions here with Bearcat of the Week, there could be some NIL things that that I completely understand. I, I'm not mad about this. I'm just having a little bit of fun with it. But naming a Bearcat of the Week that's a student athlete, um, you know, <laughs> doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work as the way that that an idea like this would have worked three or four years ago. So we we're, we might have to come up with a new team ticker segment here. Maybe it'll be the Big Twelve thing. Maybe as we look at the Big Twelve teams, that'll be brought to you by Team Ticker. Maybe we can get them. You know, they, they I'm looking right now, Dave. They said there was rain in the forecast for today in Orlando. Oh, or, or Tampa. Where are they? They're in Orlando, right? Clearwater. Clearwater. Tampa. You're talking about the baseball game? Yeah. Yes, it's in Clearwater. Yeah. Um. So they they had on the the team ticker that there was there was rain in the forecast. Well, they were they, that was right. That's you know that's why you get team ticker. You you find out important information like there's rain in the forecast in Clearwater today. Um, but this week I think we're okay. The team ticker, Bearcat of the week, team ticker, one of a kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It's high tech retro display. Provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more with no subscription required. If you're looking for a perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today. It's a local company. Two UC alumni started it. It's easy to hang with the provided hanging kit. It plays the fight song at game time. Uh, High-tech retro-looking display. It's officially licensed through the Collegiate License Company and manufactured right here in Ohio. Teamticker.com through Memorial Day weekend, 50% off. This thing's awesome. Like, for real, if you have a man cave, like with any sports theme, memorabilia, whatever it is, and you don't have this, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. It's a fantastic, unique piece. You can get it on the ground floor. Bearcats are the only ones that have it. Make all your, if you have any friends that are, I mean, I know I don't. So, like, if you happen to be unfortunate enough to have friends that are Ohio State fans or friends that are Xavier fans and they come over and you let them in your house, which is another story unto itself, and they see that, they'll be super jealous. And you can be like, yeah, well, you, you can get one, but it's only a, only Cincinnati. So For now. It's for now. Get bigger, but you can get in on the ground floor. And right. when, you're, when your UC friends come over – the first thing you're going to say is, what, what is that? Yeah, where did you where, get that? Where do I get that? Well, I want one of those. So there you go. Teamticker.com. I, I think this one, we didn't even put it up for nomination this week, Dave. I I, I think I think you nailed it. And I think it was the direction I was going to go uh, as well. Team Ticker Bearcat of the Week, Mr. Larry Shakely. And Mrs. Shakely. I mean, and and I mean, Rhonda. Rhonda. Larry and Rhonda. Rhonda. But yes, the, the Shakeleys. I mean, they have the Shakely family. They, <laughs> every 
everybody, every sports program needs a Larry Shakely, and and Cincinnati now has one. And we need more of them, more of more Larry Shakeleys. I, you know, I, I sure. feel like we've uh, <laughs> we've probably made that. You know, not me personally, but we. The, uh, oh, he the he made a he made a great joke at the. Uh, yeah. at the find the find some other people's <laughs> phone numbers. Basically, he told Karen Hatcher like, "Don't call me, I'll call you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Right? Don't call me, I'll call you. Uh, but I mean. The, my favorite, the funniest joke he made was talking about uh, like pulling up uh, to campus a couple weeks ago and they had already started the demolition of the Shakely Athletics Complex. Yeah. And he was like, I, I didn't even get to say bye to, to my first child. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get like a, a, a brick or anything. <laughs> um, but Larry, Larry's awesome. Like I always love when he's at practice and we get a chance to stand on the sidelines and talk and and he'll pick my brain on what I've seen and he's around enough like he really knows his stuff and and follows it as closely as anybody. He is legitimate diehard uh, Bearcat fan and uh, the program is better for his existence. Uh, absolutely, That's the best way I can put it. So absolutely. Thank you, him and him and his wife uh, deserve all the all the props, all the thank yous. I mean, every every major program has at least one, and we need some more, as we as we joked. But I mean, that <laughs> that guy has uh, he's meant a lot to the to where this athletic department has gone from you know when they joined the Big East to where they are now. Yeah, I mean, he joked. Not joke, but like it talked about when his in his opening statement at the, at the press conference, you know, Brian Kelly wanted the bubble, and then Brian Kelly left and never spent a day of practice in the bubble. In the, and, in the bubble, and Butch Jones was kind of the benefactor of 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 that, you know, uh, philanthropy, if you will. And now Luke Fickle, the first thing he said when he met with Larry Shakely when he first got the job was. We we need we need a true team facility. We need a place for us, for the football team. And they worked on it for six years, and now it's underway. And Luke Fickle's never going to spend one second <laughs> in that facility. Uh, and Scott Satterfield is going to reap the rewards. Uh, the the other thing that really caught me, like in talking to everybody, they they had the same reaction as we did when they saw the renderings of that place and went. That's not a square box yeah. with a practice field. That's like a world-class, like opera house looking facility. Like, uh, so it's going to be state of the art and, uh, and Larry was at the forefront of it. So kudos to your team ticker, Bearcat of the week, Bearcats of the week, Larry and Rhonda Shakely and, and, and their family, because uh, I don't think this thing would be where it's at. And I think it would have been scaled back substantially. There were already, like, remember there were 80 million, 99 million, the 91 million, then 88 million. And instead it ended at 134. We don't know exactly how much we were told. It's the largest donation in UC athletics history. Transformative. Clearly. transformative. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay for all that glass on the Caterpillar. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I've I've heard that that 
may or may not be what it actually ends up looking like, but I mean, those are the official renderings from oh, the university. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that's ne- could they poss- never, never possibly change. Never change. No, never, 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 never. never. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I've total shot in the dark guess based on day one ready funds that I thought I remember hearing versus what had most recently been said, I totally guess it's like a 20 to $30 million gift. I would think it would probably something in that ballpark, which is a lot of millions of dollars. It's a lot of workman comp claims. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is your team ticker. Bearcats of the week. We'll, we'll see where we go from here with the, the team ticker segment. Yeah. But, um, thanks to team ticker. It's been a hell, of a, hell of a three, three week run. Yeah. I mean, four, four week run, whatever. Transformative, been. transformative. One of the better um, segments we've ever had. I, I that's the problem. It is one of the better segments we've ever had. <laughs> and it lasted a month, not even a month. So what am I like the conversation that we've gotten out of that ad well, segment? Huge congrats to the men's golf team, uh, shot put Fred and Larry Shakley. <laughs> am I missing? Am I forgetting anybody? Or is those, no, are those well, the only three? No, I, well, the men's golf team was unofficial, right? We hadn't even started it yet. Uh, but we like did. previewed it. We previewed it by saying oh, they I... they made the tournament. Like next week is going to be our first. Oh, uh, well, then we must be forgetting someone, which isn't which wouldn't be good. But because Fred wasn't our first one, I think we gave it to Doug. Then we gave it to the golf team. Then we gave it to Fred. Shot put Fred. Uh, and and now didn't B Fox get it at one point? I don't know. Give it, I don't, I don't no, think I don't so. Think we gave, I think he got mentioned last week. But he he might have been a nominee. Yeah, we had nominees last week. Like that was that would have been the funnest part is is continuing to have nominees every week and being able to talk about two or three different, four different Bearcats that got nominated. But two years ago, yeah, it would have been a it would have been a phenomenal segment two years ago, Dave. <laughs> We could just do the bear cat of the week from two years ago. Just pick we're out. Wait, Randy, Randy. We're you would have. Congratulations, Desmond Ritter. You would have won bear cat of the week for your performance at SMU when you had a 91 yard touchdown run. Oh, man. Congratulations to Trey Scott. You would have been bear cat of the week circa 2020. <laughs> oh, man. We are, we are a show. Two years behind or uh, behind our times. Yeah, some shows are ahead of their times. We're two years right. Two years behind. Um, football. Uh, we saw the transfer portal. Uh, gifs, gifs, whatever you want to call them, floating around a little bit earlier today. It sounds like there were some uh, some transfer options on campus. Uh, either. Mm-hmm. Either recently. over the weekend, recently, or, or in early this week, I do think there are going to be a couple uh, additions, a couple more additions to the roster than we've already seen. Um, what what did you think of Xavier Henderson, Xavier Henderson, with Jordan Taylor and DJ Young uh, out in California? 
other way around. Jordan, Jordan Young, DJ, DJ Taylor. Taylor, whatever. Tulane, uh, Tulsa, I mean, Temple. They, they must it be friends. They must be friends. I don't know. Yeah, they they were all at Florida together, right? Well, DJ Taylor wasn't. DJ Taylor wasn't, but the, but the other two. Were. Jordan Young and yeah. Xavier uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati boys. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the way the transfer portal goes. So I hypothetically mean, speaking, Dave, you just kind of gotta say we'll see sometimes. Yeah, does he show up in class Monday? If he is does, that, is that when summer hooray. school starts? Uh, it's either this Monday, this coming Monday, I mean, or did, next Monday. Didn't, was nobody at Inside Nippert today to see if he was on the field with them doing drills? Uh, I was not there, no. No. Just trying to keep a puppy from peeing on the floor. Where's Keegan when you need him? He should, yeah, be, staking, gonna... he should be staking those things out. Keegan, go, go spend the afternoon, late or like mid-morning to early afternoon at Nippert Stadium. See they can't can, hide. There's no bubble. See if you can already see – see if you can see uh, anybody that doesn't look familiar to you from spring practice. <laughs> see if there's a 6'4 kid that looks like a freak playing wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, it'll be him or Sterling Buckhalter, like one of the two. Uh, Samuel says he's already started classes. Well, there you go. So, Maybe maybe, maybe they this started week. this week. I mean, well, they have to if they're working out with the team, they have to be in classes. Yeah. I know they like I like typically they like to hold it off until the start of June so that high schools can graduate. And then you can all kind of, you know, start the freshman class together. Maybe because one, this was a smaller freshman class to begin with, and two, I think over half of them are already enrolled. Yeah, I don't think there's very many that are not here yet. So right, but like yeah. I know Trevor Carter. There's a couple, but for the most part, Jaden Davis. Yeah, yeah. There's a few. Um, but anyhow. but yeah, I think there'll be some. Yeah, they're going to. Con- I mean, we know the and you know some of these additions may be a total depth play. They may they may be we're real thin at this position, and we frankly just like need a guy, um, right. and and hopefully we can develop him or it's uh you know, this is a young guy that we're taking that hasn't really had the opportunity to do anything yet. And, but we feel like this, the ability is there and we want to see where he's at in a couple of years. Um, you know, every player is probably not going to be viewed as, which is fine by me because like, I don't want a bunch of like grad transfers on this team because I'm not sure how good this team is going to be. So I want guys that have two or three years left yeah. To develop, get into a system, and then you have a much you're not as rel- you're hopefully not as reliant on the portal next year as you were this year because of a staff change and things of that nature. And you have more of a firm, you know, quote unquote better top to bottom roster going into recruiting, going into the portal season, things of that nature. Yeah. Any any predictions on where you would add depth right now, other than the obvious at wide receiver? I mean, I, wide receiver, I, safety still needs a body, at least one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always, you know, if we're going to play this defense, I'm always going to want dudes that can get after the quarterback. Right. Or be developed into guys that can get after the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they off, they've, they're, you know, out hitting the trails from the high school rank. Several offers went out today. I'll, you know, give a quick little rundown. 
On those, um, offensive tackle Daniel Jones from Valdosta, Georgia, was offered today. He's got, uh, yeah, he's got offers, reported offers, Colorado, Iowa State, Orlando, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, you know, 6'5", 255, so prototypical tackle that you know, you're going to want to develop. Uh, locally, Traymar Harris, uh, athlete slash I think wide receiver out of Winton Woods, offered today. He is the 247 composite, 27th ranked player in the state, has an 87 composite ranking. Feels like he's maybe favoring Michigan State. I believe he's got Purdue official lined up, but he's also got offers from Georgia Tech, Indiana, Kentucky, Pitt, as I said, Purdue, Virginia Tech. So we'll be interesting to see if we ever can crack the Winton Woods. Kentucky, uh, shocker. Would have never guessed he had yeah. an offer from Kentucky at Winton Woods. Yeah, Winton, That's so Winton strange. Woods. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's see. Zedrick or Zedrick Washington, a linebacker from Macomb, Mississippi, offered today. Uh Good size, so I'm kind of wondering why his offer list is is a little scant. Six uh, three, we list him six three two twenty five. Uh, reported offers: Arkansas State, Jackson State, Southern Miss, UAB, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. So you know, one to watch there. And then later on this evening, Trey Lenhart, a safety from North Oconee High School in Georgia. Trey is uh, what the kids like to call smart. Offers from Army, Dartmouth, Duke, Columbia, Holy Cross, Lafayette, Lehigh, Navy, Penn, Yale, Tulane, uh, and that's about the main ones, App State, Bearcat, 6'1", 200-pound safety. So uh, they're not, we are in office. That's what they call them now? They call them smart? That's what they call them now? Smart. That is. So we are in uh, offer season, visit season. I know Coach Combs and his wonderful hashtags has been in Cincinnati, Dayton, you know, Warren County, Butler County, three days in a row. I saw uh, quarterback coach Pete Thomas was at West Carrollton today, so he's probably hitting up those uh, Montgomery County, Dayton area schools. So probably just going to – keep seeing the set steady stream of offers and, and trying to lock in these, these summer officials. Now, uh, you know, Clay Birdsong tweeted the other day, looks like he's got his official visit locked in for the weekend of June 9th. So, you know, we'll continue to see how that goes. No, no additions to the class uh, in the last week or so still sitting at, I believe 19th nationally. Uh, sitting at the uh, what ten commits still? So yeah, but that's with with uh, with with summer officials coming in the next two weeks. Like we're about to see an uptick in uh, momentum, or at least you would hope. Oh, you have you some. Hope. You have officials plus you have camps too. So yeah, yeah camp, we'll, we'll definitely to, to have ten already is is a. 10, 10 commits already uh, is a is a very strong start. I mean, you have 
the the heavy hitter are up in the in the mid teens, you know, Georgia 16, Michigan 17, Notre Dame 16, LSU 15. But for the for the most part, um, you know, a lot of teams are in that, you know, a lot of what you would call the top top line teams are in the seven, eight to fourteen range. So they're they're right in yeah. there with, you know, they're certainly not behind. There's they're, you know, they it's not an issue that we talked about way back when, where if we got to June and there were two or three commits, then I would, I would have some, right. Some trepidation, but instead um, there's 10 and they're in the top 20. Like it's okay. It, right. For everybody that like, yes. there's a couple people that like to panic and, and be negative about everything. You look stupid. Oh, they have, you, you they have an 87, right 87.07 uh, combined player average. Rating. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean they need to get it up in the you know I think to be to be truly you know competitive and 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 on the verge of those of having those teams that are going to compete to win a Big Twelve championship I think they need to stack classes in the in the eighty eight eighty nine range at minimum um, you know, will they ever get it to ninety and, and higher? I don't. I don't know. I mean, you need some five stars or a whole. That means you need to average a four star. Like, right. and, you, like your average is a four star. That's yeah. if we're being realistic. Given like looking at Big Twelve history, even it's not super likely. Probably not. I mean, not short term at least. No, no. I mean, Oklahoma has six commits right now. Their average is ninety one. Uh, Texas only has three commits to their average is an 88, but that doesn't mean anything to me because they only have three commits. Uh, UC would have the most commits in the Big 12 currently. Uh, Texas Tech has nine. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma State and Iowa State have seven. I would be very concerned about West Virginia and the tra- trajectory of their program as they have three and have not been good the last few years. Right. Uh, UCF only has four. Houston has one. What the? What does Dana do? Like, what? What do you do here? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really call it working. Um, for those that have seen that movie. But yeah, I mean they're they're outpacing their the teams that are coming in. They're doing quite well versus against the teams that are. I deal Listen. with the goddamn customers. What's wrong with you people? I'm a people person. <laughs> Has anyone seen my stapler? You see my stapler. So, but yeah, I mean, stapler. that's kind of it on recruiting, right? All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to, I got, I got a fun one here for you, Dave, before we get into the realignment portion. Okay. What's that? Uh, NCAA conference FCS realignment FCS. extravaganza. Yeah, NCAA okay, FCS football. NCAA FCS football. It's a Twitter account. They they asked okay. Chat GPT, which is artificial intelligence, the top players in FCS football, which used to be Division One A of all time. Okay. Number number one, Jerry Rice. Okay. Number two, Steve McNair. Okay. Number three, Brian Westbrook. Sure. Number four, Tony Romo. Okay. 
Number five, Randy Moss. I would put him ahead of Joe, Tony Romo. Joe Flacco, Carson Wentz, Dexter Coakley, Trey Lance, and Adrian Peterson. I will just say this. If you want to make Jerry Rice number one, okay, I understand. I was at Marshall when Randy Moss played FCS football. There has never been anyone dominate FCS football the way that Randy Moss did. Right. No one ever, 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 ever. It was the most unfair thing I've ever seen in sports, Dave. <laughs> like Randy Moss standing there with a 5-9 corner that runs a 4-8. And just looking at him and looking at like Jake Cresser, uh, if you remember him, Eric, Eric Cresser. Eric, Eric Cresser. He played for the Bengals for a little while. And then Chad Pennington just looking out wide to Randy Moss and Randy Moss pointing to the sky like, just, just throw, it throw it up. It. Just throw it. I will it's, get it. It's the, the present day Jamar's down there somewhere. Yeah, except Randy Moss was 6'5 and ran a 4'2. Like, like I, I, if you want to have Jerry Rice at number one on that list, I understand. If Randy Moss isn't number two, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's, he's up there. I might still have Steve McNair ahead of him. Just because he was a quarterback, essentially? Well, and just because, like, yeah, and he he was like, I don't know. I think Marshall was pretty damn good even before. I think uh, the FC, their final FCS year, they had nine guys that played in the NFL. Right. Like, they were a good – a really good program and ran, I mean, Randy Moss went to Florida state, went to Notre Dame and ended up at Marshall for various reasons. Sure. Like Steve McNair went to Alcorn state. Cause that's where he went and they weren't any good. And then he was unbelievable. Okay. I'll give you, okay. We put Randy Moss is not behind Brian. Not, Westbrook behind, not behind Brian and Westbrook Tony and Roman. Tony Roman. Absolutely. Give not. me a fucking break. No, definitely oh, not. What are we doing? That, so this still tells me that artificial intelligence has a ways to go. We're not there yet. <laughs> artificial intelligence. I yeah, mean, Bra- Brian Westbrook was different. a really good running back at Villanova, but I don't think he did anything like Randy Moss did. The, there were two games in the the beginning of the Division One AA playoffs. The the one because he only played in one. Maybe that's the argument. He only played one year in one AA, right. and then they moved up to FBS his second year. Yeah. When he almost won the Heisman. Right. Um, <laughs> um, there were two games at the beginning of the, the playoffs where he had like 270 yards, three touchdowns at halftime. At halftime. And it was like, like he doesn't even have to, he doesn't even, we're not, he didn't even dress for the second half. He was such a freak. Like you, You've never seen anything like it. Like I think my favorite Randy Moss story from Marshall was his first year. The they were in the Southern Conference, and the track team was like, like this close to like being you know conference champions, qualifying for the NCAA turn or like the the NCAA meet whatever. And they were like, "Hey, Randy, can you come run two events?" And he hadn't run track since he was like a sophomore in high school. And he came and ran those two events. And he just 
dusted everyone. Like the dude could have been Usain Bolt <laughs> if he wanted to focus on track and field. He was just, it was unbelievable watching, like getting a chance to watch him in person. So yeah, I'll give you Jerry Rice. I'll reluctantly give you Steve McNair. But in terms of <clears throat> who's the most gifted to ever play FCS football, I'll go one first. Randy Moss might have been the most gifted athlete to ever play in the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he had – but that's the thing is, like, he had no business playing at Marshall. Like, no, no. So, like, that was, he's an yeah. FCS player – like by circumstance, because, because he, was he happened to play for a team in the FCS, not because he like didn't have any other offers and then became He's, he was an FCS player because he was born in West Virginia. And it, ultimately he just he had to come home and you know repair some image issues. Figure some stuff out. Right. <laughs> but he did play a season in FCS, and there's no one that's ever played FCS football. That was more of a freak than Randy Moss. I just saw that and figured we could. Coach Satterfield, and I'm surprised he wasn't in the top 10. And I was thinking about him, and then Coach Satterfield tweeted about it. Quarterback at App State. That's how I saw this list. Armani Edwards, who I would have thought would have been in the top 10. Um, You know, quarterback when they upset Michigan, obviously, that's what he's known for, but had an insane total career, uh, you know, while he was there, got I believe he got drafted, was on an NFL team for a little while. Very undersized quarterback, you know, obviously for the NFL, but ridiculous, ridiculous career uh, at App State. At App State, yeah. And you had to have an App State guy on there. They were one of the dominant programs in FCS for a spell and maybe have the biggest win in FCS football history. So Probably. Yeah. But nobody, nobody more of a freak than Randy Moss. No, sir. No chance. No how. No way. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into uh, as the Pac-12 turns. Oh, we can. We got a bunch to talk about. This. Okay. Go. Like uh, here. Here. Well, no. Uh, you we, tell we you tell me what conference you want to start with, and we'll have a conversation about about that conference. No, you're in the driver's seat. You get to talk about it's 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 realignment with Dave. That's a new segment. Realignment with Dave. <laughs> Take well, us. It's, Take us on a journey, Dan. All right. Well, we'll let, let's start with our friends in the Pac-12. Um, there is a, a weird amount of discussion, scuttlebutt, whatever you want to call it, about Colorado all of a sudden. Um, you have the you know 360 Sports guys down in Texas talking about it today where they have some – Regents meeting or whatever they call it there that could be about anything, not necessarily about realignment for sure. Um, Going like an hour over, there was an article by Barry Trammell, who has been a longtime sports writer in Oklahoma, has a lot of Oklahoma ties, discussing, you know, his feelings. And it's kind of a weird one because Barry doesn't really strike me as someone that is interested in getting in the realignment weeds. So it's not a topic that I feel like he would be seeking out information. I feel like the information came to him and for him to, to spend his time reporting on it. And, you know, he's mentioning 
Colorado, and I think he soon or close. Uh, Sean, I want to say his name is Sean Keller or Keeler at the Denver Post has recently written an article basically saying, like, you left the Big 12 because of Texas and Oklahoma, and you're now basically in that same situation in a conference where there are people that want to get out and you need to look out for yourself and get back to the Big 12 where there are, everyone seems to be headed in the same direction. Is that a... Is that just his opinion? Is that a trial balloon? Is that is that greasing the wheels to get to get an idea of the sentiment of the fan base? If that were, to, I mean, it could be just him just writing an article. Think total opinion based. Um, there is just an odd amount all of a sudden of talk about Colorado and and the Big Twelve. I will stay with. My sentiment that I've had for a very long time, which is I will believe someone leaves the Pac-12 when I see it. Um, so, to be determined, I guess, there. The Pac-12 obviously still does not have a long-term media rights deal. Um, I do enjoy the competing reporting when it when you know someone like Dennis Dodd or Andrew Martian says that there are no talks with ESPN in the Pac-12 and then immediately it seems like someone from the Athletic comes out and says that they are talking and and my thought is well that could mean that both of those people could be true like in the black and white of it yes they could be talking but how often are they talking? What are they talking about? Has ESPN basically just said, we're interested in this package and here is what we're going to pay you. Call me back if that works. It, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like a, a the beginnings of a relationship. You meet a man or a woman. Are you talking once a week? Is it just a casual at the start? Or are you head over heels for each other and you're texting three hours every night and you know is that like i do not believe for one second that espn is doing that they hold all the cards here they know they they would love to have that 10 30 eastern 10 o'clock eastern time slot but they know they're not bidding against anybody so why are they going to give the the pac-12 the amount of money that they want i don't know where this ends i don't know how this ends positively for the Pac-12. Um, because clearly if someone or multiple parties were offering a valuation, even in the ballpark of what they are asking, they probably would have already had a deal. So why is someone like an ESPN, a Fox, an NBC Universal, an Amazon, whoever, why all of a sudden in June, when this has been going on for almost a year, are they going to now go and say, you know what? We now think that you are worth what you're asking. And yes, we now will pay you the amount that you have been holding firm on for so long. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Uh, you know, more and more is coming out about the disaster that was Larry Scott, which as their commissioner, which is, you know, boo-hoo. You guys as presidents and ladies, you hired him. You allowed him to 
rent office space that was $796,000 a month in rental. You allowed him to retrofit this office with production studios and all of these things that are now costing you $10 million to return the office now that they're out of it. They're still paying an additional $10 million to return it to its pre-existing form. Um, you know, they have this Comcast payment that they're going to have to bite the bullet on. Washington overpayment. Washington State's pre AD has basically come out and saying, we are freezing hirings. We are looking, you know, and maybe some of this is their poor management of their own budget, but I'm sure they're not the only one that is in in this type of a situation um, with having to kind of look at their ledgers and see how they're going to do things now that they owe some amount of money back to Comcast, some amount of money. And, and the conference has the money to do this. They have rainy day funds. They have plenty of money. They distributed however many hundreds of million dollars. So it's not, it's not like they, these schools in this conference doesn't have it, but it's just another... It's another thing that just makes you go like, what is going on? How are they going to, to get a deal that satisfies some of these schools? Like, how are they going to get a deal that satisfies Arizona when it comes to showcasing their basketball team? Right. Um, I, I just, it's some, like, I, I say it out of one side of my mouth, I say I'll believe it when I see it. And then on the other side of my mouth and the other side of my brain, I'm thinking like, what are you guys waiting for? Like, are you just going to go down on the Titanic for the sake of sticking together? Like there's a report today from Jim Williams, who is a longtime media, per I'll just call him person. I don't know if he's a consultant. I don't know if he worked these, you know, Basically alluding to the, to the point that he's hearing from Big Ten people that there are Pac-12 ADs slash presidents going to Big 12 ADs slash presidents asking them to please don't poach our teams. So, like, we know that they're more valuable than us, but screw them. We want them to sync with us. So we're going to go behind the scenes and try to convince other leagues to look out for our best interest by not helping their best interest. Like the whole thing is a mess. I'm here for it. I love it. I, I have a countdown clock going to one specific quote and I pray to God that we get to this specific date and they do not have a deal yet because it will, it's hilarious. Um, and we're getting damn close, and I never thought we would. Uh, but they are—I I just don't know. I don't know where they—I don't know where this magic deal all of a sudden comes from for them. And I've said before, I don't even really care if teams join the big—the Big Twelve. Like, I would be fine with Colorado and Arizona. I think it would be great. Um, but it, I'm not. I'm kind of, you know, there's all these meetings happened. You had all these meetings in Arizona. You had the, the up, the network up fronts, which is like their 
when they bring in all their big money people to tell them how great they are and why they should, you know, pay for advertising and all those things. So you had, so you had this like steady stream of news over the last couple of weeks or else I, I don't, I wouldn't really care about any of this. Um, but again, I just, Pac-12, I, I think there it's a, it's a dying sinking ship. I, I just don't know where it goes from here. Uh, the big 10, that's a fun one right now. Apparently Kevin Warren did a lot of things uh, behind the scenes before he left for the bears and didn't really tell anybody about. So their big massive deal that they trumpeted and had people saying was going to be this and, Oh, it's going to be 90, hundred million dollars. It's not going to come close to that. They are going to be paying Fox I believe roughly $40 million because Kevin Warren promised NBC the 2026 Big Ten Championship game that he wasn't really allowed to promise. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. So they've got to pay Fox to, you know, make them whole on not airing that. And then, so I found out an interesting thing. Do you know who actually owns? The Big Ten's broadcast rights. Uh, I would guess Fox. Well, in a roundabout way, yes. The Big Ten Network actually does. Well, yeah, Fox owns the Big Ten but, Network. So, yeah, so all of this stuff is getting sub-licensed out. So that's why this is taking a little bit longer than I think people, at, you know, at least I did. Uh, under The deal is not going to fall apart or anything. Let's Let's be clear about that. Like, but there are certainly some things that this new commissioner and and I think that's why when they hired, I think his name is Tony Patetti or Tony Petit or something, a lot of people were like, why are they hiring like another TV media type experience guy? Well, now we're kind of finding out why. It's because they had uh, quite a few things that still needed to be cleaned up post Kevin Warren. So they're going to owe 40 for that. And it's escaping my, my thoughts right now, but they owe another 25 um, for, for something else. And I can't think of what it was. So, but they're, they're going to be paying now about 65 million again to these schools divided by whatever. That's not, it's not going to hurt them. Let's just put it that way. Right. Right. But they're not going to be getting this crazy mega media deal that it seemed like was being publicized, you know, however many months ago. Um, and so now you have you have this issue with NBC. It wanted night games, so now now you have several Big Ten night games, which for whatever reason, Big Ten teams have been. They hate. Oh, oh that, my God. They want to play at noon, like. It's the worst time slot. It, like, nobody wants well, games at noon. They talk about, like, it's too cold. Like, are you kidding me? Like, our stadiums aren't winterized? Like, you've been making, like, 40 to $50 million a year for how long? And right. you can't retrofit your freaking stadium to play a game in mid to late November as if it's, you know, 12 degrees out all the time? Like it is the most in some places in the Big Ten, it is just to be fair. Crybaby, (laughs) like 
just get um and like stop you know if you're gonna ever make fun of the south again like st- just stop yeah um i mean so n- yeah now you have doing? yeah michigan state penn state is you know, michigan state i guess made some concessions to help things out which i don't really understand this one how the location of the game itself works into this like they're moving the michigan state penn state game on black friday to detroit instead of at michigan state they're gonna lose anyway so and somehow but somehow that was part of this like horse trading thing between the networks and <laughs> right. i don't understand how the location of it matters i do well, find it's, it it's i do dome, find it right detroit's a dome yeah but why would that matter to nb like why would that matter to what channel it's on well, clearly, because Michigan Stadium, Michigan State Stadium, is not weatherized properly, Dave. Uh, who knows? I did find. What, it what fun does that, that mean? What does that mean? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, they winterized. Like what? You turn like you can't turn the toilets back on because once you turn like, them off, they they can't come back on till April. What 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 does weatherized mean? It's like winterized, like winterizing a boat or something. Right. Like I, it's not a boat. It's I a stadium. Know. It's just concrete and aluminum. Yeah. Who knows? What are we doing? I found it hilarious, though, that Pete Thamel's the one that kind of broke all this. And obviously, he works for ESPN, who now does not have any Big Ten rights. Sure. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, let me, let's expose all the issues that they're having. Um, <clears throat> you know, so you have this on the football side of things. You have the, you know, the, the headliners, the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State ones that are kind of putting up a stink about the night games and the and the out late season games uh being sure. at night but then you also have tom Izzo, who i like tom Izzo, and i get what he's saying about like the streaming because you want your you want it as easy as possible for your recruits and your recruits families to see the games and all this stuff and right. there's gonna there's gonna be a lot more basketball in the big 10 in this new contract on peacock on streaming but like, part of me is like, Tom, how do you think your salary over the last how many years has right. gone from X dollars to what it is now? Like, do you think it's just because like, you're just that damn good? Like, no, it's because of your freaking TV contracts. And if you didn't, like, if you don't want to be on streaming, then tell, tell your AD and your president, like, I am so against being on streaming that we need to take less money from ESPN and I will take less money in my salary so that because I, we have to be on linear TV that I feel that strongly about it. If you're not going to do that, then shut the hell up. Right. Because all you're doing is whining. Like we get it. Nobody wants to be on streaming right now. It's we're in this like middle ground of yes, it's the future, but no one's quite ready for it yet, but we're paying for it. Like we're ready for it. Like we get it. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to have to flip from Amazon Prime to, you know, like when it's Thursday night football I and I want to watch a college game and an NFL game. Like I don't want to have to go back and forth or put it on an iPad or have like I want to just be able to hit the return button on my TV and go from one to the other. But that's what's happening. That's what's going to keep happening that's what's progressing but like if you don't like it then don't take the money or else shut the hell up yeah like that's that's always been like the the underlying thing that nobody talked about is 
the entire house of cards is is right now built upon TV revenue, or or at least like me, provi- media revenue. How, media however, revenue. it's yeah. however it's disseminated out to the the public. So for the longest time, the NCAA was their own overlords. Like they set the rules, all the money was coming. Why do you think they built these hundred thousand seat stadiums? Like the reason that they built these hundred thousand seat stadiums was so that the teams with the ability to fill them were the teams that made the most money. And then a new way to make money happened with distribution rights. And all of a sudden, those are now your overlords. They own you. Literally, Dave. They, like NBC, ESPN, Fox, they own college sports. Well, yeah, because they're basically telling the Big Ten, like, hey, guess what? Your commissioner that's now gone sold us this package, told us this is what we were getting and what we were paying for. So you should have either made more of a stink to him about how you didn't want night games or he should have not sold it to us that way but we we own it now and this is when we want the games so deal with it so they are you know like i said that deal is not going to just fall apart but they're clearly some some long form some big picture elements that don't seem to be as as tied up as maybe were perceived several months ago when they announced this whole thing with NBC and CBS and Fox. And I mean, I love what they're doing. I, I think that's the way it should be. It's very much an NFL model. You know, you're going to have your big noon kickoff. Then you're going to have another game on on CBS midday. Then you're going to have a night capper on, on NBC. And you're going to have you know, games going throughout the day on the linear networks. But something's got to go on streaming, so it's going to end up being basketball. And Yeah, and guess what? Basketball coaches are going to be real pissed off about that. Oh, for 100%. But then that's why I said, like, then don't, then don't talk about how this TV contract has now allowed you to increase your recruiting budget and build some new practice gym that isn't really necessary and – and done all these other things like you can't you can't complain about it and then reap the benefits of the money that comes in because of it let's see and then lastly the acc um they have what how about president pinto's joke yesterday fucking outstanding chef's kiss i hope i hope mike oresco saw it I mean, when he said it, I was just like, "That's that's as well done as you did, can." Did it? Did he deliver it well? Because you know, it's yeah. one that like oh, yeah. he thought of it or someone told him, and he's like, "Damn, that's good." And he rehearsed it, but like sometimes when you do that, it's not natural. The timing was good. It's no, the timing natural, was good right? on it. He was like, "Man, isn't it, isn't it great to be in the Power Five? And uh, I can say that because I remember what it was like when we were in the Power Six. Yeah. It's about to be Power 7 with the Pac-12, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a top-tier joke from someone that you're not expecting to, you know, lay out a one-liner. He, he nailed it. He nailed it. It was well done. It was well done. 
Yes, I enjoyed that. Uh, but the ACC has apparently, I mean, they put out a press release, so I guess it's officially as official as it can get. They're going to go to some level of uneven revenue distribution that is strictly tied to performance in revenue sports. Like, what is that? Be- that is bas- the instant death of a conference. Is that just basketball and football, though? Like, or is that, are there any other revenue sports? I mean, the problem is what revenue do other sports generate to to do? To, I mean, like, I, met, I guess, them. like, if women's basketball teams make the NCAA tournament, that probably brings in some re- – I mean, they'll probably get yeah. some level of revenue for that. Yeah, sure. Maybe your baseball teams, if they go to the College World Series or something like that. But, yeah, it's, um, it, it's made to appease the Florida states and the <clears throat> Clemsons and the North Carolinas, but – on one hand, like Aaron and I discussed last week, like if you're Boston College, why are you agreeing to it? And then on on the other hand, like where are you going to go? Like if you if I'm if I'm Boston College AD and you're Florida State's AD, and you're like we want unequal revenue, you know, revenue distribution based on you know you you kill what you eat. You know we go to the college football playoff, we should get more. It should not be divided between all the teams right. evenly. And I'm Boston College's AD. I'm going, okay, fine. Go find somewhere else then that will do that for you. Like, they don't. Well, they don't. Florida State would just go to the SEC. Oh, yes, because they could just easily just pack up all their shit and just travel <laughs> over to, to Birmingham. Right, of course. Yeah, it's just that simple. Yeah. Like, when we've been, how many times we've been told, we'll just join a Power 5 conference. <laughs> well, I mean, but Florida State can. But not, like they, not if they don't well, get an offer. I'm, well, no, they, the SEC would offer Florida State tomorrow if they knew they could. No, the offer has to come first. That's the problem. Well, yeah, but I'm well. they're not going to give the offer because right now with the grant of rights, they, they know they can't. That's the thing. They have – the way I've read it and been it's been talked about is no one's going to challenge the grant of rights until they have a reason to challenge it. Well, I'm just saying in your example, Boston College and Florida State, those are – that's the difference between. I don't, but see, and I could be a five a five wagyu Kobe beef and like I could be a hundred and ten percent wrong. I don't think there is any appeal to the SEC to add Florida State. Florida State is still a major brand. They already own Florida. What does Florida know, State bring Florida them? Florida State is still a major brand. They they were a major brand in the nineties. They're yeah. kind of on their way back, but weirdly, that shit lasts for decades. Dave. I mean, if I'm in the if I'm the SEC, I'm not even thinking about them or Clemson. I'm thinking about Virginia, North Carolina. I know, but let's let's not kid. Our, Virginia, come on, really? What has Virginia ever done? It's not about like that's it's an elite it's, academic institution. The SEC doesn't it. need another team that's ever done anything. They have all the teams that do the things. <laughs> You're right. That's fair, but in Virginia, they don't need another like. They're not. They're Kentucky. not in Virginia, Virginia's and they're Kentucky. they're not in Virginia, and they're an elite academic school. They're not in North Carolina, and they're an elite ac- academic. I did North school. Carolina. We talked about North Carolina, Aaron, and I have a lot. Oh, I think North Carolina has a massive. If something ever happened, like the Big Ten and the SEC would have a massive brawl over North Carolina. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they would fight over Florida State. I don't think the SEC feels that way. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have a massive brawl, but they would fight. 
So they're doing this whole thing, which I think is just a Band-Aid, because, like, how does that change anything? So these these teams that are bitching, schools that are bitching about it, they have to now go out and win a bunch of stuff to get a little bit more money than they were getting before. Yeah. And then they'll realize when they get that money that it's not really that much, and it didn't really do what they thought it was going to do, and that they still have 13 years left on a grant of rights that they can't get out of because anybody who's ever been in a bad contract knows that if you can get out of it, you would get out of it. Like, you don't think their damn lawyers are smart enough to look at it and go, yeah, we can get out of this. If they could get out of it, somebody would have already gotten out of it. Yeah, I know. I agree with that part. So I'm not sure what this does to to help really anybody in the in the long term i mean i guess they're somewhat some of them are a little happier now but they would rather be somewhere else yeah so um well i don't know that they'd even rather be somewhere else they'd just rather get more money like that's what this is all about oh for sure it comes down to it Where, where can I go to get more money? I still love that, you know, and, and I tweeted this out, I guess it would have been last week, Dan Dan Wilkin on the College Football Inquirer podcast kind of went on a pretty good rant about this stuff of like, so you get $20 million more million a year. Yeah. Is that going to, like, that's going to just, that's the difference and now you're going to get good? Like, you haven't been good. Or that good, or championship level good, and making making thirty million dollars a year ever, ever making thirty million dollars a year or more when you count everything together. But now that now that we've got fifty million, I mean, shit, sky is the limit. We're all of a sudden going to be great, and that's why I joked. I was like, UC's been pretty darn good at football and basketball. For the last 20 years, getting having no money and crappy facilities compared to the teams they've been beating, it's a damn miracle they've won any games at all. Yeah. That, so like, it's like we've talked about that a lot over the years. Like boo damn who that you feel like you're starting to get laughed by the SEC and the Big Ten. Like they were laughing you before. You getting more money isn't going to change that. It's not gonna put you in a better recruiting area. It's not gonna automatically but, make you hire like Hot, make the right hires. I mean, it's 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 a pissing contest, and ultimately, what happens is Florida State and Clemson and Miami say, "Why the hell are we a second class citizen monetarily to Vanderbilt and Indiana?" Oh, no, don't even go that far. GMAC brought it up. The Florida State AD said that it's unacceptable that they're making less money than UCF. UCF is, now. Yeah, UCF's going to make more money than them. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate UCF, but I love that. Like, yeah, that's damn. That's so damn funny. And and I mean, I don't know if it's true or not true. Whatever. I mean, they're gonna, they're all making about. They're gonna make about the same. You know, you see, <laughs> that's and that's the part that just cracks me up is you these schools that haven't done anything. And this is this kind of dovetails onto my my back and forth and and my deal with Bill Conley is like. You see, maybe well, that was an interesting one. You love Bill Conley. I like Bill. Bill. Conley. I, yeah. I just think his list was dog shit. <laughs> um, and like 
UC made eleven. I think it was eleven point three million dollars the year that they went to the uh, Cotton Bowl. The playoff, yeah. So they made the most in the AAC by like two and a half million, and that is still like so much less than all these schools. So I look at them and I go, "What's your fucking excuse?" Right. You've been doing this. You've been your Indiana's, your you know NC states. Your Ole Misses, your whatever, you've been getting this same amount of money for how many USC. damn years years in a row, and you don't have a one damn trophy, one damn win that actually mattered to show for it. You never won your league. You never went to the BCS. You never went to the like. So, so I'm just supposed to think that now you get a little bit more money, and all those other things aren't are going to change. I mean, really, the only success story in college football in 20 years is Clemson, right? Yeah, they're like the one that like built, truly built it up and became a blue one of wall. them. One yeah. of them. Everybody right? else had some point in their history. Like Georgia went forever, but they won a national championship in the or in the early 80s. Like, yeah, yes, it's. But the money didn't exist in the early 80s. Florida State kind of did too. I mean, that was an old girls' school in like the 60s, so they. They yeah, but I, they I'm, I'm I'm talking about since the since TV right forget since like, since TV era like became yes. a thing. Clemson's the only one, the only one, and there's been fifteen of them, maybe not fifteen, eight to ten of them that used to be that now are just kind of eh, eh. yeah. I mean, I would Don't I would matter put, anymore. I would. I wouldn't put them on Clemson's level because Clemson's obviously went to titles in one title, but like Oregon is, is another one in that kind of realm. Yeah, but I'd put them up there. You're right. But yes, I mean, it's, it's very few and far between. And that's, that's why I just laugh of like, and you know. who's fallen off Penn state, Wisconsin, uh, Tennessee. Sorry. Don't mean to. Oh, you don't have to be sorry. I mean, <laughs> For a long time, it was uh, we were the butt of every damn joke. I mean, right? Got more money than practically anybody, and you you can't even finish third in the SEC East. That stinks. Yeah. Generally, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, I mean, just look money, at my look at Miami, Florida. Money, like Miami, Florida was easier. Miami, Florida was the exactly. program in the eighties and early nineties, and then. They won a national championship with Larry Coker. Um, they early, came back you know, in the early two thousands. But I mean, a little. Then they, you know, they're they don't. What's their cachet now? They play in a NFL stadium off campus, and they win eight games a year in a very mediocre conference outside of Clemson. So I, it's, I don't know what their what their long-term plans are Clemson did win a title was shared was it shared title when back when they did that I don't know but but yeah but I mean I was four I, I don't I don't know I don't care yeah so <laughs> I don't know there's it seems like the big the big 12 again there could always be things bubbling under the surface it seems like everybody's pretty happy moving in moving in the same direction what the Big Twelve and the SEC are the two happy conferences, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I think there's there's one 
there's one thing going on in the SEC that I know several teams aren't happy about, and it's why they still haven't decided whether whether they're going to do eight or nine conference games. I, I don't know what's taking them so long to tell Kentucky and the other teams that we're going to nine and too bad. Um, yeah. How are we so, going to get the six? Yeah. But, <laughs> the for, the most part, for the most part, it seems like those are the two conferences that don't have schools hating each other right now. Um, yeah. But I did, I did want to say I did mention my little back and forth Monday with uh, Bill about his top 75 quarterbacks. And my, my biggest sticking point was, are we just, are we just compiling stats or are we, are we factoring in what the, what the quarterback meant to his team and his university and what their achievements were knowing full well that, the achievements are not solely based on what the quarterback does, but if you're making a list of the best quarterbacks and you leave out someone that has a lot of accolades on his name, it just didn't make any damn sense to me. Um, so, well, like he, here's the thing Aaron and I even talked about, like we're not even saying Desmond Ritter should have been, any higher than 50. I don't know if I'd put him any higher than 60. Right. But to not have him in a top 75 is right. absurd. Absurd. Like, you have to have an understanding of his first two seasons, of what he was, what the offense was, what he was asked right. to do, what he was asked not to do. And then the development in the two seasons post that and what the team did and the success that they had. And I just looked at some of these dudes on the list and I was like, you just got some dudes on there that threw for a bunch of yards and touchdowns and never played in, let alone won, a single game that mattered at all. Right. Right. So Yay. Yay, they won a bunch of like games that you know didn't mean shit. They didn't even win like did they didn't even win that many games. Some of right. them. And their stats were worse than deaths. Considerably worse than deaths. <clears throat> There, there were some that I was like, well, wait a second. Like, <laughs> like he had Brad Banks from Iowa on there in like the around 50. Yeah. And I, what are we he, doing? he even said like, was he a one-year wonder? Yes. But they did this for the first time ever. And he finished second in the Heisman to Carson Palmer. And I'm like, well, that to me says more about who was up for the Heisman that year than, than it does about Brad yeah, Banks. Brad Banks. Right. And, and Dez is, Last two years and Banks is two years and and I would like their numbers weren't even comparable. Whether you wanted to look at right. completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, like so, like I mean, you can't even say that he was like a great compiler of stats, like Timmy Chang or the Houston quarterbacks when they were in Conference USA. So like, I I was just I was just like. You've got to be kidding me! That like he's not even in like your top sixty, like sixty-two, right. sixty-three. I would have had no beef of that. Right, right. I would have been like, yeah, okay, that's that's I, about. I, right. I would have looked at it and gone like, well, I think he's better than this guy. But I'm not like quote tweeting him, telling him that right, he's quite, he, like okay, basically saying you're, you're an idiot. Then your argument is okay. Should have been fifty-eight instead of sixty-three. Like that's right. silly. No, I'm but, not having that argument. To say he's not one of the top 75 in the last 25 years, stupid. Speaking of uh, Bill Conley, 
Uh, is someone gonna, from Bearcat Journal going to be on cover three to do Bud Summer School? Uh, Bud Elliott and, and Phil Conley were like, they, they like started S&P or whatever, right? That's correct. Yes, I recorded with Bud on Monday. So I do not know when it's going to be released, but Bud and I had a really, really good chat on Monday uh, about the Bearcats. And uh, it went really, really well. So yes, I, that I, like I said, I don't know when exactly my episode is going to come out, uh, but it's going to be out sometime soon, I would assume. But yeah, it, it's in the can. I had on this shirt, actually. <laughs> because I just put on this shirt to record that. And then I did another show. And then I took this shirt off. And tonight I was like, oh, hey, I got that how, shirt over how there. Long, uh, how long was the was the interview? Uh, it was about 20 plus, 20, oh. 20 plus. All right. I don't know like if they edit or chop it down or... I can be a little long-winded at times as a guest. I know that surprises, probably surprises people. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, it was it was really good. I thought he had good questions. thought we had a good conversation about, you know, the, where this roster is at heading into this season. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one because I thought it was really good. I got to I got to No, I didn't wear the same shirt for three days, GMAC. I wore this shirt for an hour and then I took it off and then I put it back on at the start of this show tonight. Come on. I, have a, I mean, I have I'm a single dad now, but I'm not wearing clothes for three days. We're not to that point yet. We might be. We might get there. I mean, we I might get there. I, I'm married and have a kid and I do that. I just figured this is my I first, don't need to this wash is my first it new shirt of the week. <laughs> I don't need to wash it yet. I only wore it for an hour. I didn't even take the dogs out in this shirt. <laughs> I have a uh, an interesting stat for you. All right. There are four teams. Okay. In the nation, football. Uh-huh. That have ranked in the top 25 in yards per rush. This is not counting sacks in each of the past 3 seasons. Three of these teams have actually been in the top 25 for four straight years. Can you name the four that have been in the top 25 for three straight years in yards per rush, not counting six? I would say Alabama, but didn't, wasn't the, um, the year that UC played them, their run game? Yeah, like, it was just okay. It, it was okay. It until that game. It was, it was yeah, and <laughs> until then. But it was it, like, I would, so that would take them out. Uh, generally service academies, right? Not in yards per rush. Yeah, that's true. And not counting sacks. I mean, yeah. yeah. So they don't, they don't have sacks. So, uh, I'm going to go Cincinnati. No. Oh, damn. There is a Cincinnati adjacent connection to this stat. Utah. No. Oh. Wisconsin. No. I, I don't fucking know, Dave. Just tell me the answer. Ohio State. Okay. Texas, uh-huh. Florida State, uh-huh. and Louisville. I should have known you were setting me up for that. And the I three teams that this has actually happened 
in the top 25 for four straight years is Ohio State, Texas, and Louisville. Expect a lot of yards per carry is what you're trying to say. Well, I, I hope so. I don't think there's a transitive property involved there. But well, but I mean, it's the, the system is the same. Sure, I mean you got to have the, good players. The play caller is the same. Yeah, but yes, I mean they have shown for the last to be consistent, regardless of who's at quarterback, who's at running back, who's at offensive line, that they have been able to run the ball. You know, I think having a dual threat quarterback, having a running quarterback, helps in those numbers because you know you get a lot of if you're not counting sack yards. You're getting a lot of what not chunk plays, but like you're getting a lot of five to ten yard runs or more out of your quarterback. You're not running him three hundred times where you're getting, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half yards a carry. Right. So if you're not counting his sack yards, then he's probably has a pretty good yards per carry average. I'm sure Malik Cunningham did. I think that's probably the hope with Emory Jones. It's like watching Mike Warren. Like Mike Warren, you knew was going to get three yards. Yeah. Every time he touched the ball, I like. I think. I think maybe one of the most impressive stats I've I ever recall like covering was that there was a season where Mike Warren was tackled behind the line of scrimmage twice, and one of them was a bowl game. It was zero or plus yardage, and he carried it like four hundred times. Yeah. And he just never got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. No. Hopefully we get more of that. That would be nice. Yeah. Hopefully we get we get one of my uh one of my one of my really big wants for this network is I want a big uglies podcast and I would love for it to be Garrett Campbell and Kyle Trout. That'd be fun. And just to talk about, you know interior line play the, the things that really get people excited about football <laughs> all right you got anything else i don't think so i don't either there's been a lot going on here i, I gotta get off the phone i i gotta figure something out all right my, my daughter informed me that um i need her birth certificate for her to play in AAU Nationals, and I need it by Wednesday. Oh, okay. Right. Well, it's 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 sitting in a lockbox in my kitchen right now. That I don't know where Kelly put the key, <laughs> and I cannot ask her that question. So I have to figure out how to get in this lockbox by Wednesday of next week or else my child cannot go to the like $2,500 trip to Orlando that I have paid for. If anybody wants to come over and pick a lock, hit me up. (laughs) All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, Dave. Great show. Appreciate it. Appreciate you uh, running point there for the back end. We'll see you next time. Thanks to Team Ticker. Thanks to the Holy Grail. This is the BCJ Podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.